0: 47th episode of the Metabilis 2 podcast which as usual features myself Ben
1: and David. Well it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Many apologies dear listener
0: for the lateness of this particular podcast. Um, it was all my fault, don't blame David, not that you ever do. Um, I've, I've been traveling, traveling sadly not in time mm-hmm. or, but, but in space so that's good. How was New York? It was, it was great, actually. It was, it was kind of hot, <laughs> and there was a huge thunderstorm, which was great. Which oh, wow. Was great. But yeah, we did all the New York things. First time mm-hmm. my father-in-law and my two daughters had ever been to the great New York City. So it was great. Oh. We didn't see any Daleks in Manhattan. <laughs> Were um, you on the Empire State Building? We didn't go up the Empire State Building, so we didn't mm-hmm. bump into Peter Purvis playing What's-his-name, the Texan? Morton Dill. Uh, I'm trying to do a deep <laughs> cut there from the chase. Um, but no, sadly, there was no there was no hooage of any kind, mm-hmm. um, apart from, of course, me finding uh, 45 minutes out of my trip to New York to watch The Eaters of Light.
1: Yeah. Yes. So what did you think of uh, Ronan Monroe, uh, her first <laughs>
0: appearance, first
1: classic uh, writer from the classic series to make a return appearance yes. in...
0: Yeah, and I, I I think that's kind of interesting, actually. Um, I, I I mean, I think there are you know there are some writers who we would like to have back, but anyway, right. uh, I think it's interesting again. You know, Ronan Monroe, of course, was the was the writer for the last, the very final of, uh, episode of Classic Who um, with mm-hmm. um, with McCoy and Survival. And actually, you know what? I did catch flashes of uh, of the Seventh Doctor. I, I think in 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 the writing actually, um, mm. there were certain points I think where either Capaldi felt he should be channeling Sylvester McCoy, a fellow <laughs> a fellow Scotsman, or Rona Monroe was writing, thinking that she was uh, actually writing for Sylvester McCoy when really she should have been writing for Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, I very much wanted to. Like, to... God, this like Monday morning, <laughs> Monday morning script writing again. I very much wanted to like this a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't like it enough. I'm oh. afraid, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I just, uh, I felt. So was it a mm-hmm.
1: case of uh, mis misplaced expectations or too much hype or
0: uh, I, 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 too much hype? Um, I thought this was going to be genius. I love ancient Rome. I love the Eagle of the Ninth. Mm-hmm. I like Scotland a little bit. Um, <laughs> Just a little. I, I like Bill, and I like, and I like, uh, I like Peter Capaldi. I like, mm-hmm. I like, I like Thirteenth Doctor. Uh, Romans are awesome. Uh, you know, it, it felt kind of, uh, and this is, I hope this this metaphor is going to work. It felt, it felt like a box factory episode. Hmm.
1: And, by, um,
0: and what I mean, how do you there, mean that? And what I mean there is like. The the episode itself felt that it was at the box factory and it was on its way to the fireworks factory, um, and all <laughs> it was waiting for is like, when are we going to get to see Missy in the TARDIS and mm. get to the next episode? It felt very kind of perfunctory. Mm-hmm. I I I really, some ways, I think I think it could have learnt from Oxygen and you just lowered the stakes just, just a little bit, just slightly. Mm-hmm. Um uh, because the whole the doctor is going to sacrifice himself and spend an eternity fighting the eaters of light. Yeah. Just like is he?
1: That was very uncharacteristic of the doctor even.
0: It's very un uncharacteristic of the doctor in general, and actually this doctor in particular, really. Mm-hmm. Um, this doctor really finds you know, is he is creative. He finds right. his way out of stuff.
1: Yeah, I kept thinking of Tom Baker in Seeds of Doom and Antarctica Base where you must help yourselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he was really uh Capaldi was really hard on Carr all through the episode, and it's sort of like Okay, you're you've laid in all this guilt and all this criticism on Carr for acting unwisely or making a mistake for letting this monster through, but then you're gonna give her a get out of jail free card? The doctor's gonna be the one that's gonna be at the gate? That seemed a little hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think and I think, you know, it from time to time I felt the harshness to that character from, from the doctor was like overly harsh actually. Yes. I mean not many people get yelled at quite so brutally but in fact mm-hmm. no one does it's not it's not the kind of thing the doctor does it felt it felt kind of mccoyish to me this whole that there, there was a mccoy twinge to this there was like a uh a kind of uh so i or it was it was almost like a new a, a new adventures mccoy in fact yeah
1: yeah 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 so that line that line capaldi said to um, to cars, something like to to protect this muddy little hillside. You've now doomed your entire world. I could almost almost see McCoy saying that in Sylvester rolling of, his R. Right, you've doomed. Well, right. actually, doomed doesn't have any R. In Oz, <laughs> but Oz, he would have worked Oz, them Oz, in. <laughs> he would have worked them in somehow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, yeah, it was. It, it felt very. It, it felt like that. Uh, so. And. Uh, uh, the other thing, actually, I mean, you know, maybe maybe, maybe we're, we're kind of dotting around too much and not being mm. structured enough. But I did feel again, this is just a, the parts where you just wish that people had sat down and just given themselves another three or four weeks of work on this. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought the monsters were just like pathetic. I'm sorry, like pathetic. Um, they were actually pathetic. The, eater, um,
1: the actual eater of the light
0: you did Yeah they were like what were they like big dogs Or dragons or something With I, like, go, with like s- shiny tentacles I, 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 I mean they were kind of Shrivenzale level They of kind of reminded me of
1: like In Dungeons and Dragons kind of a Displacer beast type
0: look But Oh I don't know enough about Dungeons yeah, and Dragons I, I, So what's, a, what's right. a displacer beast uh,
1: Well it's just <laughs> Explain, <laughs> explain yourself Yay
0: hey. <laughs> or not or not i think yeah. i'll just leave it just leave, just leave it the, i mean i mean you know they were four legged kind of beasts of some mm-hmm. kind that also had like tentacles coming out of their tummies right yeah well that's what displacer beasts are they if, uh, if, oh, okay. if
1: my if my memory serves <laughs> my memory serves yeah it's been a while that that they're they're kind of Cross between a big jungle cat and a hound of the Baskerville, but oh, okay. with these glowing antennas ah. that go off from them
0: so do you think this was deliberate I mean no what what oh, no. Okay. what
1: the inspiration I think was the pictus beast, which is um, depicted on on at least one of these uh, Scottish monolithic stones right. that they have this kind of beast that no one really knows what kind of animal it is, so I think they t- took and they show that pictish beast at the end um on one of the stone monoliths right, right. and i think that's the, the artist interpretation right. of the pictish beast and working into this the the idea that this monster got stronger by eating light why the nighttime was particularly dangerous that i i felt like a disconnect i thought then yeah. What well, the monster this this beast would be more powerful during the daytime because that's when it was sunlight. That's when there out. was more food about. Yeah. And it, and it just yeah. and it seemed to me like, okay, well, it's also attracted to noise. So that seemed incongruous. if of noise. If I was working this, it was sort of like, okay, we have this beast that's attracted to light um we're relatively safe at night because it doesn't have as much power but we want so we want to attract it at night and the way we're going to do that is through a huge massive scottish type bonfire right at the right. cairn that Sweet. would attract it you know cuz it's feeding off this light and then getting in so you, like you say monday morning script editing monday morning writing it seemed like were it, it, a lot of ideas and then adding the Missy bit at the end, it felt like all those ideas were a little bit rushed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: so we had a series of set pieces like Bill and the Doctor are arguing about who knows more about the Ninth, ninth, ninth Legion. Legion.
0: Yeah. Right. And yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think the a couple of things. I mean, I, again, there was a slight bit of kind of uncomfortable um, like Bill's interest of the week last week, she was a science fiction fan. This week, she's a fan of ancient Rome, particular mm-hmm. and and of children's literature of the 1950s, um, which is which is when The Eagle of the Ninth was written by Rosemary Sutcliffe, 1954, I think. Right. It really
1: seems like these reflect our writers' interests. So last week we have Mark Gatiss's top five horror films or top five films. Right, this week right. we have a book that Ronan Monroe probably read when she was a young girl growing up that really impacted her so yeah. we're getting these bits of writers um, personal lives or personal interests perhaps yeah. being put into bill who's a 20 something millennial
0: yeah and i i mean i, I mean, i'll have to say the, the eagle of the night by, by rosemary sutcliffe is a book that a lot of british people have read Right. Um, certainly, I was given it to read when I was at school. Of course, that was like you know thirty, forty years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, whether a twenty-something would have been given mm-hmm. it to read at school, I don't know. It's possible. It is a classic. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a British. It's a classic of children's literature. But did your two daughters read it? Um, no, because sadly they've been educated in the godless United States. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I tried to get them to be interested in historical fiction, but it's something that's Mm -hmm. never really taken off in them. It's a really great book. Um, I really recommend Rosemary Sutcliffe. She's an amazing author. Um, uh, She had a major disability, but still completely... Basically, rocked the nineteen fifties and sixties and seventies in terms of children's literature, especially historical literature. Hmm. And the Eagle of the Ninth is one of her early books and is really, really well well worth reading. I mean, there are a number of movies. Um, I think Centurion, which came out a couple of years ago, is kind of based on the legend of the of the of the Ninth Legion. Hmm. It's kind of a big deal, but then again, it's 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 kind of weird that you know. Bill comes out as being someone who's like passionately interested not only in kind of ancient Rome in general, but like this particular episode um, right. of ancient of ancient Rome. Right. Um, I'm noticing that the I, I did like the direction. Uh, and I'm noticing that the director was um, Charles Palmer um, again yeah who, who, who directed Oxygen which uh, um, which we were big fans of and also Human Nature Family of Blood um, mm-hmm. Shakespeare Code and Smith and Jones um, I thought it was beautifully directed and um, I thought they used the landscape very well it yes. was pretty obvious to me unfortunately that this wasn't the highlands or even the lowlands of scotland but this was south wales um <laughs> uh, the landscape actually even though it's hills is actually very different mm-hmm. i don't think that really matters that much because obviously this is shot in south wales um so if they're looking for a mountain obviously they're going to go up the mountains of south wales rather than go all mm-hmm. the way up in, up in scotland but it was kind of obvious that this wasn't a scottish landscape at all but i i think that's fine really Okay. Um I I mean just to go back to the uh, the actual eaters of light themselves were uh, which I don't think they were they're actually given a name were they they're just like the eaters of light. Um, right. I w- I guess I was kind of looking for I mean I guess you know as you say they're taking the the image from kind of pictish art but I right. mean there's a lot of awesome stuff in pictic and pictish and celtic celtic art. I was almost kind of looking for um you know, all that amazing Celtic knot work, you know, which mm. is this which is the you know, the the uh, the kind of interlocking tendrils, the kind of thickets that you get in, right. in, in in Celtic work. That would have been amazing to have something that had tentacles, but those tentacles interlocked. Mm-hmm. Um the kind of, you know, lame dog thing, I just really didn't do it for me, I'm afraid. Well,
1: Sorry. from what I understand or at least going Based off of the production imagery, the Pictus beasts went through quite a few iterations before they finally settled upon what they um, broadcast. So maybe it was something that they never really could settle on what they yeah. what worked for them.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's probably. I mean, that's that that's a really good comment. I'm I'm sure that's I'm sure there's an element of that. Certainly, mm-hmm. there's an element. I mean, I just wish you know, I wish they just get spend another couple of weeks just kind of pushing it slightly mm-hmm. more. Um, pushing the script more with um, with Rhona Munro, who's a you know she's an acclaimed Scottish playwright. I have mm-hmm. Scottish friends um, who were you know deliberately watching this episode of Doctor Who because it was written by Rona Munro. I mean, she's mm-hmm. a she's a big deal now.
1: So do they give any feedback on the Scottishness of it? or?
0: Um, I mean, I think I think in general, Scottish people are pleased that the doctor is Scottish. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, obviously the Picts um, or the enemies of ancient Rome were shown in a reasonably good light, mm-hmm. uh, eaters of reasonably good light, um, even though, you know, the doctor yelled at them a lot. So, you know, I, I, I haven't had a, had, a, had, a, had any direct right. feedback, but no one said to me that it completely sucked. So, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, um,
1: there there are some yes. things I actually really liked about this. I thought that it did oh, well. Yeah. Um I liked how the Doctor's or the Tardis' translations was a plot point. It actually worked into the plot that both the Picts and the Romans could understand each other. Communicate. I don't believe exactly. that's ever been done in a story, Doctor Who story before, that the translation circuits can actually facilitated or was part of the plot and I thought that was really a nice There's... nice way of working that into it. I thought it was a little bit of a stretch but not too far of a reach that Bill worked out how how this was happening how she was understanding latin or speaking latin. I didn't think it was too far of a stretch, maybe a little bit but not too implausible. Especially because we don't really know how long uh, Bill and the Doctor have been traveling together. We only get the highlights, yeah. much like we got only with Clara. It always seemed like we had a lot more interesting adventures that they were just coming off of than what we were actually seeing. <laughs> but <laughs> I also really I, I really took great delight in uh, Nardole. And his Nardo was him very going, good, yes. uh, going native and ingratiating himself with his hosts, and the whole scene with uh, <laughs> the doctor going, Stop it, it's nauseating. And and Nardo's defending himself, saying, It's called charm, and the doctor saying, I'm against charm, and Nardo going, Yeah, well, we all know that. <laughs> so I thought that was no, that was really a nice exchange,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I really liked the Nardo, um. Uh, Nodol doing the kind of Arthur Dent thing in his, in his, in his dressing gown, dressing gown and pajamas. <laughs> yes. I thought that was very mm-hmm. that was that, that that was very droll. The Latin thing I thought was great. I mean, I think you know, obviously, uh, new Who and actually old Who as well has got he's got like a you know a nice tradition of kind of Latin jokes. I'm mm-hmm. um, you know I'm thinking of the Fires of Pompeii and the um, you know, the kind of jokey translation that the TARDIS does. Um, for Donna and the Doctor, so yeah, I, I definitely I think I think that was a really nice plot right. piece um, to have the the TARDIS translation circuits actually do something useful for once, rather <laughs> than just translate everything into English.
1: Right. So I, I and it was it was nice that Time Lordian. we had you know two different languages, and all of a sudden they can understand each other, and that helped further the plot, or that helped diffuse the conflict between the Romans and the Picts.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was also nice that both the Roman soldiers and the Pictish folks were all kind of depicted as kids Um, for the
1: most part they were all kids except for the musicians and the musicians were oldsters
0: right I don't think I noticed that I will have to have a rewatch well well, presumably they couldn't get any young people who could play the Pictish flute and drum (laughs) or whatever the hell they were playing Um, I did not like that 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 Pictish song it was too jaunty Mm -hmm. It felt a little bit too, like, leprechaun-y to me. It didn't feel weird (laughs) and scary enough. It felt like something that leprechauns might play while they're searching for their pot o' gold somewhere, not that leprechauns are Scottish. (laughs) So
1: probably my high point of the episode was the whole scene with the popcorn, and I really liked that. First...
0: That was good, yes.
1: First, that Nardle carries popcorn with him, just like <laughs> the, just like Jelly Babies, but this is Nardle carries uh, ready-to-pop popcorn. <laughs> and that the doctor just nonchalantly throws it into the fire. And sort of like in the 11th hour where you got briefly inside the doctor's head with the kind of uh, Sherlock-esque... Uh, noticing everything really quickly. You could imagine that the Capaldi Doctor is counting off, okay, it takes popcorn about this long to to go off, and then he just pushes his hands like poof, and then we see all the popcorn popping and they get out. So I think that was really a nice bit of character development with Nardole and really an equally nice bit with Capaldi's Doctor. and You could see... Why Nardole was a companion for I'm guessing over seventy years with the Capaldi doctor, that they they have yeah, some they have interplay. A,
0: they have a lot of great interplay, which which is which is really uh, very well handled. Actually, it's not mm-hmm. you know he's not just a joke character. Um, it's it's really it's really kind of nicely done, very enjoyable. What did you think of the uh, the little bit of sexual politics in there about uh, Bill's lesbianism mm-hmm. versus the Romans' pansexual? bisexualism whatever the hell they were I don't know
1: there's a lot of set pieces in the story that was one of the set pieces that when Rona Monroe was writing okay we have a lesbian character I want to have this to point out how sexuality has changed over time between Roman era and between the modern era I I think that was there for the educational remit of the program absolutely (laughs) Um, uh,
0: Slightly shoehorned in. It was. It was a nice piece of business. Um, I thought it was a little, a little bit kind of extra and not really required. Mm-hmm. But I anyway, think what yeah.
1: really saved it is the direction. Yes. The yeah. script didn't have a lot of lines for certain Roman legionnaires, legionaries, and what Palmer did instead is, since they didn't have a line, he would focus in on one or two of them and give their facial expression as a reaction to what uh, Lucius and Bill were saying so right I think that helped sell the whole scenario
0: yeah I mean I thought I thought I thought it was I thought it was nicely done um, uh, and it was it was it was, a, it was a good point kind of well put I um, I I don't think it really advanced the plot that much. I probably would have cut it out and had more, I don't know, tentacles or something <laughs> in it. Uh, that scene a little bit later, mm-hmm. where
1: Bill is trying to rally the Roman soldiers, at least, you know, the scene where at least you're not going to die underground. You may die, but at least you're not going to die underground. It's sort of like, uh, how is that better? But she's trying to do like a doctor-esque inspiring speech. Yeah. And, uh... It didn't sell really well for me because uh, the Goon Show episode, History of Pliny the Elder... It it took me right out of the moment because that was just kind of in the back of my mind. We have the Goon Show doing Romans, and then we have Bill doing line by line one of the uh, Nettie C. Goon's, uh, uh inspirational speeches. Listen to me, all of you, and then the you know the droll response from Peter Sellers or something. All of me is listening to you.
0: <laughs> so. Um, do you think that was that that can't of been deliberate? That's t- must have been no. Accidental. I don't think
1: it's deliberate. I think it's, it could be a, you know, it's a turn of phrase, but it just it took me it, it took, it took, took me you right, right out of the right moment. Out of the, well,
0: I mean Romans are difficult because <laughs> you know I mean as soon I mean there's, there's been you know uh, Life mm-hmm. of Brian um, Roman epics I'm Spartacus. Um, you know it, it's it's mm-hmm. hard to do Roman stuff without it seeming silly. I mean actually and actually that's one of the one of the great. And I'm a big fan of the Fires of Pompeii. I think one of the genius aspects of that mm-hmm. um, particular episode, which is actually one of, one of my favourites of, of Tennant's era, is that it is able to, to 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 slightly take the piss out of Romanness, <laughs> um, yet also have a also have a dramatic story. And in this one as well, I got. Um and I think a lot of this was to do with, with again with, with Charles Palmer who I really hope stays with the right. show. Um, a lot of this to do with the with with, with the with the direction. There was a real grittiness about the Picts and uh, and and the Romans, especially when they're all huddled underground, mm-hmm. um, trying to work out what the hell they should do to kind of combat this this you know this supernatural uh, villain that they have um, that they've encountered. It was a real grittiness. Um, and I actually at some points I was being reminded of, of 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 again something that probably won't resonate a lot with our American listener, um, um, but certain maybe maybe with our British ones, um, with the with the work of Alan Garner and very, very famous book called Red Shift, which is a, a book that kind of addresses, you know, kind of British history, um, through the lens of a kind of two troubled Ad- adolescents who kind of shift into various bits of, of, of British prehistory mm-hmm. um, specifically to the Roman era um, where there are a group of Roman soldiers who are kind of going native and trying to escape um from a, an attack by uh, by uh, they attacked by celts um so it was which was actually then made into a into a TV play um I'm kind of getting off topic but again it was it was the 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 the, the point is that The direction um, and the script really came together at various points Mm. in the show, but as a whole didn't really gel overall for me. And I think that's my kind of conclusion.
1: And I'm wondering if that is less Rona Monroe than Stephen Moffat, both in the placement Uh, of this story within Series 10 and... Trying to squeeze in, you know, steal away the last four minutes for the Missy bit. Five
0: minutes of Missy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't want to do this to dissolve into more kind of Moffat bashing, but I think you're right. Um, you know, uh, as I said, you know, we were kind of galloping through the box factory in order to get to the fireworks that we're all looking forward mm-hmm. to at the end, which is, you know, what's um, what's Missy going mm-hmm. to be doing now? um and then you we slam straight into you know the the two-parter that is the conclusion mm-hmm. of the of this particular season.
1: And I thought Michelle Gomez was, you know, amazing. Did a
0: really great job. She's really good, yes.
1: And yeah. I I love a little bit where she's walking around the console and Bill has her mouth open and Missy opens her mouth and then pushes her pushes it up with her back of her hand. Uh Missy's <laughs> mouth just sort of like uh, you're gaping or you're <laughs> and you know and yeah, exactly. she just has these really sly sly winks or sly smiles out of her mouth and bill standing you know m- mouth agog <laughs> and i thought that was that was another little nice bit of that they worked out that uh, michelle gomez did with her acting i thought that was really good um yep, they yep. certainly are really setting up setting up something with a, 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 a emotional impact i guess would be the way to say it of of the friendship between Missy, the Master, and the Doctor, and how that is probably not going to end too well for Capaldi.
0: Yeah, so we... I mean, the cat's out of the bag, really, now. Um, yep, well, John uh, Sims, uh, jo, yeah. Jo, John Sims is, Sim is back. <laughs> With um, the Delgado,
1: Antley Ainley-esque beard and mustache, a goatee, yeah. He's...
0: He's he's grown that rubbish beard <laughs> that he was avoiding beforehand. Um, I was I was I, and I had I mean you know I, and I've only seen I mean I've been really super avoid uh, super avoiding spoilers mm-hmm. now since it was accidentally revealed to me um, that John Sim was returning. Um, I'm really hoping that he shaves it off because uh, I think it's actually uh, I think it's kind of a shame that the master apparently always has to grow mm-hmm. a beard like that um uh, you know clean shaven masters are just as good and john sim was great as a clean shaven mm-hmm. master he was less good as a bleach blonde right. uh, leaping <laughs> leaping master um so i'm hoping he's more that master than he is the yes, other wolf
1: we'll, we'll find out but i doubt he shaves we will find out. shaves at all uh, i i wonder if that john sims is kind of like the uh inner voice or something for Missy if he's actually going to be a representation of the Master uh-huh. or if he's uh-huh. going to be more like in the Day of the Doctor where
0: the moment right. was not seen by all of them. Right. Oh, gosh. I hadn't even thought that that might be a thing. But, yeah, you have a really good point there. Yes, he could be like a kind of, ooh, I'm the evil Master. That's right. Kind of, ooh, Come back to, to your <laughs> true self. Come back to the dark side. <laughs> woo um, uh, I hope it isn't that. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd really just love to have, you know, Doctor Who and the Two mm-hmm. Masters. Uh, I, I just really want to have it <laughs> because I'm a fan. Um, I just want to have the Two Masters. I mean, Big Finish have done plenty of kind of multiple master, multiple master stories, um, and I, I'm kind of hoping that the TV is going to have the um, uh, the strength to to do a Two mm-hmm. Masters episode. But yeah, he may be kind of a, a phantom of some kind. And mm. I think
1: Moffat is heavily suggesting or hinting that Bill is not going to have a happy outcome. Right. Her, The one line from the trailer, again, that she says, well, what if she gets us all killed? Right. That right. that also struck me as kind of undoctor esque that he is trusting his companions, his assistants, Bill and Nardle, like with Missy.
0: Who's a, you know, who is a, who, I mean, she may be a slightly reformed supervillain, but she's still a supervillain. Right,
1: villain. I just, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it it kind of seemed like well these these two are bait and then uh i wasn't didn't she call him her disposables or something like that
0: um yeah meet my disposables (laughs) not a good sign not a good sign exactly exactly i did i mean it was great to see them on dazzy and cybermen um i just hope they keep up that level of, of <laughs> directing those cybermen correctly uh-huh. um uh, and you know it was nice to have the, uh, there was obviously there's some kind of hospital thing going right. on which fits really well with those particular cybermen so you know
1: it... now was it in the trailer where capaldi says a mondesian cyberman
0: um uh, yes i think it was
1: because that has been getting a lot of fan <laughs> uh rolling of the eyes and the the oh, best really? one that I Why? well just that we, we you've never called him a oh a Telosian Cyberman uh,
0: oh gotcha right oh yeah I understand the, the
1: prefixing yeah. and then the best one that I've seen is someone on Twitter has the cardboard cutout Daleks from Power of the Daleks with the phrase oh my giddy aunt a carbodium Dalek. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, well, I mean, it seemed, actually, I think in the trailer, I mean, we were actually, we were on Mondas, right? I mean, it seemed like that was the implication. I don't know, but we have another blue man. We do have a blue man, yes. Yes, I like those blue men. Um, I thought, again, the blue men did very well mm-hmm. in the Oxford, So, episode. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah.
1: Another thing that I thought was interesting was the corpses, the yeah. Roman corpses, they looked like... Bog corpses they did
0: look like bog men, and actually, you know what I was thinking to myself while I was watching is that actually you know there 's been some really great corpses <laughs> this this season um there 's the bog men corpses that you 've correctly identified these look these kind kind of mm-hmm. look like, which again implies you know the eaters of light have been. You know, uh, bog menning people um, for for a while. There's the amazing rubber ball corpses right. that the um, uh, the 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 ice warriors have. We have the walking corpses in, in the space suits um, from oxygen. There's some there's some good <laughs> deading in this season, which I'm I'm definitely in favor of.
1: If Bill was around longer under a Stephen Moffat tenure, I wonder if it would become a cliche of Bill falling into holes because now we've had two stories back to back with Bill. Falling into a hole first with the Empress of Mars, and then into a, a Pictish trap or a barbarian trap in Eaters of Light. Yeah, here, yeah. similar. Candler yeah. angles really close up to her face. Her going oof. It it. Uh, I I almost wish there was something like she fell through floorboards and knock knock or something to tie it in with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> Yeah, I can see, I can see that becoming a fan <laughs> meme of some kind. Uh, I don't know. You could we could cosplay of like Bill's head sticking out of some floorboards. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, that's either a theme or it's just kind of lazy script editing. Basically, she just she falls into a hole and finds some things. Um, it was British soldiers last week. It's a it's Roman Roman legionnaires mm-hmm. this week.
1: I think you would have had to. Tell either Gadis or Monroe that you no, know, you have to think of something else. And really, I think Monroe should have won out because it makes sense that they would have the picks would have had these traps and in, in for uh, Empress of Mars for Gadis something else. You know, could have been a revolving door or panel or something other than
0: something. I mean, it's it's a tomb exactly. You know, that's definitely they could have been a revolving door that. Yeah, one of those stone things. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to mix it up a
1: little bit. Otherwise,
0: you know, it's it's
1: uh, the companion. It's the modern day equivalent of the companion
0: twisting her ankle. Right, right, right. How do we get the companion into danger and also get them to discover something that they hadn't previously discovered? Yes, let's get them to fall down a hole. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. Well, yes. So yeah, I mean I yeah, I I think it was I said I I wanted to I wanted to like it more than mm-hmm. I did. Actually, you know what? I mean, having talked it through, I mean, this is often the case, having talked it through with you, um <laughs> um my good friend David, um, Thank you. um <laughs> During this podcast, I'm actually liking hmm. it more. Um, I'm almost tempted to do another rewatch tonight and just see whether I can pick up. I, uh, there's a
1: lot uh, there's a lot to a, watch in it. I think it's... I, I, I rate yeah, it fairly yeah. highly for the series. Uh, maybe my expectations weren't quite as high going into it.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll have to say another thing that actually made me warm to it is that, as, as I mentioned, that, that it was all shot... Um, not in the Highlands of Scotland, or the Lowlands, all the Lowlands of Scotland, <laughs> um, but in the Brecon Beacons um, in South Wales, which, which which actually was a place where my family spent many, 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 many happy um, uh, family holidays um, during mainly the 70s and 80s, um, and. It's a landscape that I'm very very fond of um and it was nice to see it shot so well and and again it's a landscape that includes these amazing open hillsides but also these these kind of very deep and tangled forests mm-hmm. as well. So that was that, that was a pleasurable thing for me to 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 kind of you know to to see that landscape being directed well.
1: Has Doctor Who ever been filmed in Scotland?
0: No. I mean cuz no I mean Scotland Scotland's a mm-hmm. long way to go. I mean it's 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 well, it's hard they've to get
1: to. Lanzarote and Utah. It, I mean, it has to be closer than those two. I mean, <laughs> uh, I,
0: I, I, I think I think I think the point is hard to get to rather than closer. Mm. I think it's probably easier to get to Lanzarote than it is to Scotland. <laughs> certainly to the Highlands of Interesting. Scotland. Interesting. Because you can't fly there for a start, you, but you have to fly to Edinburgh or Glasgow, and then you have to get into a car, and then you have to drive up like weird little Scottish roads. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously the most famous Scotland of all um, in Doctor Who is um, is 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 the Terror of the Zygons, which was which was all shot in Surrey, yeah, as south usual, of the, south of um, south England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and and Scotland, it's it's not. Um, it's hard. I mean if you go to the Highlands of Scotland, and here I am playing the I've been to the Highlands of Scotland card, <laughs> it's it's hard to get around. There aren't many roads, it's really deserted, there's nowhere to stay. Um it's 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 a pretty rough and ready and brutal landscape mm-hmm. for those of you familiar with England. Um Scotland's nothing like England mm-hmm. at all. Um and the Highlands of Scotland are hard to get around.
1: So um, I I wonder why they wouldn't even do like some second unit filming. For that opening shot, where Bill separates from the doctor and Nardle to go their various ways, to do kind of an establishing shot. Uh, probably just uh, expense. It's much cheaper to go a couple of hours away or an hour away from Cardiff for the filming. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, it would, it would it would have would have made it for some great publicity shots, and also for some great publicity in mm-hmm. general, you know, because of course, I mean, you know, Ronan Munro a, a well-known Scottish person, Peter Capaldi is a well-known Scottish mm-hmm. person, um, Stephen Moffat's also Scottish. Etc. 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 So I mean, they, they could have had some nice photos. They could have some nice photo mm-hmm. opportunities if they'd actually gone to Scotland. But again, you know, maybe it's you know, time right. and money, and you know the BBC um, has increasingly less money thanks to our glorious current, current <laughs> government, um, and also um, less mm-hmm. time. Yeah, to make shows. It so, could be yeah. that it could just yeah.
1: be a simple matter of economics. But one day, one yeah. day, they'll film in Scotland. One
0: day. One day we will film in Scotland. Oh, my Scottish accent's very, very good. <laughs> Every, everyone in Scotland sounds like that. Ach, <laughs> um, that's ach oh, aye, hey, the new that's a broad moonlit nicht, nicht. Anyway, yep, yep. That's not sorry. Apologies to all our Scottish <laughs> listeners. That's not how you sound uh, like.
1: It's how you sound to Ben, <laughs> though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it is. It's like what the hell? Stop Be- speaking. <laughs> stop speaking mm, like uh, that.
1: You no, know, I I have the great minnesotan accent, so. <laughs> you do.
0: Sticks out like a sore thumb. However, not as much as my accent sticks out like a well, sore thumb. Well, depends on in, the audience. Depends of on the audience. That that, <laughs> is that is true. That is true. That is true. So, um we're uh, we're, 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 we're we're
1: one day away from the Knott episode from the... of
0: series 10. I know. It's it's and I'm I'm actually kind of excited. As I said I've been avoiding mm-hmm. spoilers, um and I'm kind of excited. I, I'm trying not to be too excited because if I'm too excited, then it will get, it won't be as good. <laughs> it won't be good, and I'll be disappointed. So I'm just trying to manage myself slightly um, so that I am, I am pleasantly fulfilled. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> Rather than disappointed. Is, it, is we'll this our ser- we'll this, is this is series ten's first cliffhanger episode, right? We're gonna be, we're, yeah. And if it's anything like Moffat's normal two-parters it's going to be very different from part one from part two
0: yeah i don't like that yeah,
1: well i think it hasn't been since uh, empty child doctor dances that it has been relatively consistent yeah. between the two yeah. two parts
0: i'll have to say you really upset me by suggesting that that john sim might be some kind of like phantom in the mind master i'm really upset <laughs> by that
1: i just <laughs> wonder if this whole series is it's been all a dream because we've had dream. Dream. we've had indications uh, of that too. That this is.
0: Uh, Do you think we're gonna we're gonna get any payoff with the whole is the whole Bill is actually Susan thing or is that just fans?
1: Oh, it's well, knowing Moffat and his propensity for trolling fandom, it probably is just trolling fandom. But
0: I think it's trolling. Yeah, I think you're right because.
1: Although the hints were there, especially like with uh, the actress that played Bill's mom was also a right. Time Lord and Gallifrey, the yeah, lingering yeah. pictures of Susan and the opening of the pilot, in um, yep. Knock Knock calling the doctor grandfather repeatedly. Um, yeah. You know, the hints are there, but it doesn't seem like it's been building to that reveal.
0: No, we've we've had nothing more than those actually quite early on in this mm-hmm. season hints um and I think I think you're right I think it's just trolling. So. Yeah. Right. World enough in time. World enough in time sounds like a James Bond movie.
1: That was I was thinking that precisely.
0: Yeah, we have all the time in the world <laughs> sings Louis Armstrong um on Her Majesty's Secret service. Um so yeah, I don't know world enough in time. Hmm. We'll see. We will see, and it will be... Re- it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. We will see tomorrow. Yeah, we don't have long to wait. We do not have long to wait, yeah. Good Lord.
1: You know, there's going to be a, a level of misdirection in the first episode that will totally uh, turn 180 degrees. With no
0: explanation in the, the, in in the, the, the conclusion. Epi- yeah, in the conclusion, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah
1: the co- yeah. question, I, I think the big suspenseful thing for me is, is mm-hmm. Capaldi regenerating, or gonna? are we going to see him end in the 12th episode or will that be pushed back into the Christmas episode
0: I, I don't know I suspect it's going to be mm-hmm. Christmas but we will have to mm-hmm. see
1: well I definitely can see Capaldi in the Christmas episode but I'm wondering if it would be more of a, a flashback of uh, like Matt Smith right. and deep breath type thing yeah, where, yeah, yeah. or even who knows who knows who
0: knows
1: who knows who <laughs> who knows so I'll wrap up here okay great uh thank you for listening to episode 47 of the Metabolus 2 podcast. I've been David
0: and I have been Ben. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, that's a number 2, at gmail.com, or on Twitter at metabilis2, and again, that's a number 2. Hope to hear from you. Bye.
0: Now, listen to me, all of you. All of me is listening to you. <laughs> I'm the Welsh Chieftain Cracticus Seagull.
1: <laughs> Caractacus. Okay
0: to for-